Welcome back to the Remedial Film Class Podcast. I'm your host, Dan. And I'm Travis. And I'm George. And George, I am so excited. Listeners Mm. of this podcast know that I am so excited. However, Mm. I am also conversely so scared to discuss with you tonight's movie. We watched Showgirls. George, I'm going to skip you. Travis, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing great, man. And then, uh, George, let's check in with you. You just finished Showgirls. Mm-hmm. You're probably not too familiar with Showgirls. It doesn't seem like a movie you would have been familiar with back in the day. No. Nope. Nor does it fit the criteria of movies he should have seen. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a wonder we made you watch it. So, George, tell me your initial impression of the movie Showgirls. Every week, I think... Could the movies get any worse? <laughs> and every week, they do. Oh, not every he week. He fell into no, our not trap, a, Travis. Not he every didn't week. know how Only good when this we movie want it was. to be. <laughs> what did you say? Only when we want it to be a bad movie. Yeah. It definitely trumps the last one that was bad. I'll tell you what. When I, uh, when I was looking up this movie to watch it on uh, on Prime, it was like, you may also be interested in... Basic Instinct. No. No. Oh. Um, that other one that I hate. Oh, Wild Things. Yeah, you yes. may also be interested Absolutely. in Wild Things. And I was like, oh, it's going to be like that. Okay. <laughs> totally. You done messed up your search history, man. <laughs> Wolf. Guys, this movie was 90% boobs. Yes. And I was still bored by it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. that's, you watched the right movie. Uh, <laughs> while I was watching it, I got a like a I got an email I, on my phone, and I, and I saw that Milwaukee Tools sent me like a you know like a spam message message like a an email promotion, and I was like, oh, this is better than the movie. <laughs> he he loved the movie so much he got that phone call about his warranty on his car, and he actually talked to the person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. He just re-upped satellite radio. He didn't even want it, but anything to get yeah. him off yeah. this movie. Hey, so before we go any further with Showgirls, the classic American tale of some stuff that happens and then doesn't really matter. Uh, they wrote it. You know, I I didn't write the movie. Uh, this is true. That's the arc of the movie, right? Like all this stuff happens and she just goes right. It's it's fine. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, George, did you see who yeah. directed this movie? It was uh, Paul Verhoeven. Yes. So, much like RoboCop, there is a lot of subtext here that we needed to get through so mm-hmm. that you know that this is actually the best movie of the decade. However, it seems that Mr. Wow. Verhoeven forgot to include the subtext when he made the movie, <laughs> so we'll have to delay that until the Windy Theory cut comes out with all the good stuff put back in. Oh, yeah. okay. So... Hmm. Yeah, I don't think there's a Wendy theory on this movie. Doesn't there it blow your be. mind that this was Paul Verhoeven? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Basic Instinct. Yeah. Everything that was good about Basic Instinct did not exist in this movie. How? How? How, did, how do you make a movie that is, as George said, 90% boobs, and yet... And nice ones. A lot zero, of nice ones. 0.5% eroticism? Like... Mm. There are moments, I can think of two, where the movie gets genuinely erotic for about six seconds, and then it's interrupted by some stupid dialogue or some ridiculous like action that wouldn't fit the... It's just like, why mm. are we afraid of... Like, he, he, yeah. it has to be on purpose. That and there's stuff. zero sexiness. He like, has to be finding... Zero. It has to be a bit, right? He's mm-hmm. like, stupid Americans, don't let me put breasts in movies. It's going to get an NC-17 rating, so I'm going to make the least sexy movie full of boobs America's ever seen to show America that boobs aren't inherently sexy and sex isn't bad. So there, there is your subtext. And if that is the subtext, then by God, Paul Verhoeven, mission accomplished. Mm, Wow. Mission accomplished. I mean... I was assuming that there was a satire connection to this movie. I just wasn't sure what it was a uh, satire for. Other yeah, than I don't know like that it is Hollywood. satire necessarily. Uh, I think it is much more him holding a mirror up to America and Hollywood culture and saying, you know, you don't like sex. Well, fine, I'll give you sexless boobs. 
and you'll still think it's sex because it's boobs and you can't, you know, it's like on the face of it, it is nudity, but your dumb American, this is Paul Verhoeven, probably, uh, mm. your dumb American <laughs> brains can't separate the sexualization of breasts from actual erotic sexual content. And so I will give you a movie that is unsexy, but full of breasts, and you will mistake it for erotic content. And then I will laugh from my European villa. Mm. Ha 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 ha. And he did. <laughs> and he did the thing that we talked about many times. He took an actress that would not normally be associated with nudity at all from Saved by the Bell. Is George so aware they... that she's from Saved by the Bell? Were you aware of that? Uh... Have you ever seen the show Saved by the Bell? I have. So she's Jesse on Saved by the Bell, who is the he, more prudish character. Yeah. You know, the, the bookworm. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, so, yeah, I know. So uh, to have her do this movie was, at the time, because I remember when this came out, I was actually working at the movie theater. What year did this come out? 95. Uh, 95, yeah, I was working there. And it had a lot of buzz about it because she was in it. I was, I, I don't know, I was five. I don't know. Yeah, you were not of that generation. Yeah. But um, yeah, and even then, it wasn't sexy. <laughs> like I remember watching it, going, "Yeah, yeah, I don't want this." <laughs> yeah, it was. The movie was full of um, like interactions, terrible that interactions. got like super intense between two people, mm-hmm. and then. One would act some crazy, ridiculous way, and he'd be like, "Oh, I didn't expect that." Mm-hmm. You know, it's like Very over and soap over again. Operish. Yeah, it's like, what's gonna? You know, it's like, uh, are they gonna kiss, or is she gonna slap her? I don't know which. Yeah, and I don't what's know that I would happen? call it soap opera acting, but I did have a note on here that Travis usually refers to crummy acting as Disney Channel acting, and I was like, this mm. is like next level. Yeah. You know, this is beyond even like Saved by the Bell acting. Like something is wrong. And I don't know if it's that they're directing her on purpose to act like this or if she thinks this is the acceleration. You know, this is the extension of where I was to where I'm going. This is the escalation that they're looking for. And then they just let her go. But there's a violence to her movements all throughout this. It's like a bipolar mania. Like, well, bam! She's slapping mm-hmm. something. Well, bam! It's her head on a car. <laughs> well, bam! Like, why is everything so precise but yet violent with and her she's movement? She's like slamming her French fries around. Yeah, yeah it's so that? weird. It but it's consistent. To... Like it, it. There's a consistency there that tells me it's either directed like the lady from Sleepaway Camp and her whole bag of chips, or it is the best a they choice. could get out of the actress and her decision to like escalate. The energy she, you know, if, if TV requires a 7 out of 10, I'm going to give them a 9.5 out of 10. Watcha! Right. <laughs> Watcha! I, I was equating it to, um, I've, I've received some cri- criticism because of my criticism of the Obi-Wan Kenobi TV show, the Plus, Disney Plus. The villain on that show does the same exact shit, like, in her acting mind, she says, this line is angry, so I'm going to act angry. Mm. And this line clearly says that I'm uh, disgusted, so I'm going to act disgusted. As opposed to just being in the moment and being the parts. Yeah, That's this whole movie is her just basically reading line by line and giving herself either... Her notes, character development notes, or the director's telling her to take this to 11. Every freaking, every line is at 11. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was hard to watch. It reminded me of, like, doing improv class with somebody who's not good at it. And just everything's over-exaggerated to bring yeah. attention to what they're trying to say. But what they're trying to say is not interesting at all. All right. So I'm interested in what is Verhoeven trying to say here? Yeah. I mean, is it just what Dan already already said? Was Is that it? I th- 
I think it's a little bit of that, and I think it's a commentary on the the pursuit of the American dream in those venues, like uh, you know, people that move to Hollywood to be actresses or actors, and they end up doing things that they they don't want to do, but they have to. Like I think it's a it's kind of a commentary on that way of life, but instead of Hollywood casting couches and stuff, it's Vegas because. You know, it's easier to do it in Vegas. Do you think it's just a commentary on Hollywood and Vegas and showbiz? I mean, or it's the human experience, could, man. Yeah, yeah, could it be extrapolated to uh, many, many, many other professions? I think it's just what are you willing to do? What are you yeah, willing to do absolutely. to become either famous or reach your successful goals, whatever that is? Precisely, and it does beg the question, the you know, like you have this goal in mind, but is that goal now your identity, or is the goal a means to find your identity? And I think it tries to shoehorn a little bit of like, well, I just found myself on this journey through mm. Vegas, where now I have achieved fame, but I'm leaving. When the sign has my face, on. the end of this movie is a mess. Yeah. But by golly, she got her suitcase back eventually, we we presume. I mean, if that guy just didn't, like, murder her on the side of the road for jumping yeah, in his she's truck. She's in that suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he ends up in the suitcase. I was going to say, I think he would yeah, end up in Yeah, she was pretty the... quick on that blade. Yeah. so it's And possible. she's got a good right kick. And she's definitely have mental issues that would snap at any second. She gets the wrong order at Chick-fil-A. Someone's dead. Yeah, <laughs> for real. Oh man! So uh, seven minutes into the movie, I was ready to quit watching it tonight. Yeah, but you're welcome, George. I made it to the end. Uh, question for Aaron, uh, for who's not me. Yeah, I I took one for the team, George. Do I you, wanted to make you sure you shouldn't have. No, you I did. popped in the twelve monkeys. I forget <laughs> a lot of what happens in this movie. I'm glad that we watched it. Uh, but yikes. Uh, question for Aaron. I know he's not in the room, but I'm sure he will. Uh, chime in on the Facebook group after his appearance on the Sleepaway Camp episode. Mm-hmm. Um, guys, because this movie has so much Las Vegas culture, you could think it was like, you know, Sing 2 or something. Uh, mm. Sing 2, uh, a better version of this movie, by the way. Um, yes, precisely. Which is weird that <laughs> Sing 2 is this movie. And Pretty Woman is a better version of this movie. As and well. Glow, season three, the I think it was season three, the last season of Glow was a better yeah. this movie than this movie. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so because there's a lot in here that is just purely Vegas, and it looks like it was sponsored by the tourism board, and it doesn't really necessarily translate to a national audience as well as it would people that live in the Vegas area, I'm going to ask you, is this movie a regional flasher? Hmm. Regional flasher. Ha! That deserves the Alf laugh. Ha! <laughs> hey, Willie! Wow. I believe it is. It probably is. No. Paid for by the owners of the cheetah. <laughs> George, do you have any idea why this movie is was substantial when it came out in 95? Why... People talked about it then, and one of the things that really contributes to our discussion of it still to this day beyond what the heck is this movie? I mean, this this was a mainstream movie, wide release, into theaters, uh, a whole lot of press, a whole lot of hype, made some pretty good money. Do you have any idea what the big deal was besides at, the Save by the Bell lady? At one point, a character mentioned AIDS. I mean, that did happen, but that's, did that's it, not why. Did it, no, that wasn't Well, it. Philadelphia came out around the same time, and that, uh, was, that was tackling the AIDS thing a little uh, bit more seriously. What else could it be? So did you happen to catch the rating of the movie when you streamed it? No. It is rated NC-17. Okay. Mm, which used to get you the booth at the rental place with the curtain. Well... So oh, okay. So the thing is, uh, this was the first wide release, big deal Hollywood movie that embraced this new rating from the ratings board, the NC-17 rating. Mm. 
And so it was a huge deal. Hollywood is finally going to make an NC-17 movie of the quality that it needs to go to theaters. And Paul Verhoeven's directing it, and the money's there, and it looks like a million bucks on screen. Coincidentally, it's like the last big NC-17 movie that got a wide mm. release. I was, I was going to say, like, I, don't even, I haven't even ever heard of NC-17. Uh, recently, Netflix put out a movie about Marilyn Monroe called Blonde that also got a theatrical mm. release, so they got it rated, and it ended up NC-17. But you don't get a lot. Is NC-17 um, worse than R? Yes. yes. NC-17 is... Okay, so pull up a chair, George. Uh, it took us two years to get to the ratings, but uh, with an R-rated movie. Okay, so Friday the 13th, Part 9. Okay, Jason Goes to Hell... They submit the movie to the MPAA, and the MPAA says, nope, you're not getting an R rating. Part 7 actually was a victim of this. A lot. All of them after Part 1 were a victim of this. <laughs> part 2, sure. do you remember we watched all those deleted scene murders that came out on the new box set? Maybe I didn't watch it with you, but it's out there. From Part 2 on, and he really, Part 1 had stuff cut out. There's an unrated cut of Part 1. All of these movies to get an R rating, had to make cuts. If they don't make a cut, they have two choices. They can release the movie as unrated, which it's then up to theaters whether they even want to carry it, and most will not. Or they could, before 1990, release the movie as an X-rated film. So if I release an X-rated Halloween 2, you know, or a Friday the 13th, X-rated, what that means is at the theater, by law, at least by convention of the MPAA, because officially it'd be uh, censorship if it was actually by law, but the way the theaters are required to enforce the ratings, R rating, you can take a three-year-old in with you as long as there's a parent over 25 or whatever. Uh, okay. Nobody under 17 without parental guardian. Okay. X-rated movie, or NC-17 later, no kids, not allowed, too extreme for kids, even with their consenting parent. Okay. And so back in the late 60s, early 70s, there were some big name, uh, I mean, Midnight Cowboy, a movie you might watch on this show at some point, wins Oscars and is X-rated. Okay. But what happens in the 70s is there's some pornography that comes out. You've heard of pornography, I'm sure. We haven't really discussed it on the show, but it's a thing that was in the 70s and probably probably sticks around. I don't know. Haven't really checked. Okay. Uh, it's very, very niche. Yeah, not, not very popular. <laughs> uh, not the foundation of this entire internet that we're on right now. Right. Um, unless you listen to Avenue Q, in which case, actually, right. never mind. Uh, so here's the thing. Horns and Muppets. <laughs> the MPAA did not copyright or trademark the X rating. And so the problem is, if an X-rated movie wins an Oscar, if Midnight Cowboy, for adults only, but not pornography, wins an Oscar, Deep Throat comes along and other movies like it, the people that make these movies can say, well, hey, uh, our movie's also X, you know? Heck, it's not just X, it's double X. Heck, it's triple X, right? Wow. Like trying to tell you like, hey, it's not just for adults, but it's like, hey, hey, baby, right? And there's nothing the MPAA can do because they didn't trademark the X rating. And so by the mid to late 70s, the term X rated movie doesn't mean Midnight Cowboy for adults. It means mm -hmm. pornography. Pornography, yeah. And so... You have this period where nobody is even allowing their movies to consider an X rating because they don't want to be associated with pornography. And so one of the things they did to combat this problem was to make the NC-17 rating and trademark it. So you know if a movie gets that, it's still a regular mainstream movie, but it's just for adults. Okay, so NC stands for no children. Yes, and originally it was no children under 17. And then eventually they changed the rules to be no children 17 or under. Right. Okay. So you had to be 18. 
Yes. So in 1995, if you were 18 or older, you could go to the mall and watch this movie. And it was edgy, you know, hey, this isn't R-rated. Yeah. This is adults-only viewing. And then you get in there and you're like, oh, oh this, this no, isn't. I'm surprised Basic Instinct doesn't have that rating. Cause yeah, I, me too. I think that actually is more sexual than this was. Well, and we probably watched the unrated cut because there's... So what happens is with home video distribution especially, you'll have the cut version that gets an R rating. And then when it comes to home video... They're like, hey, and added two minutes of bonus footage, yeah. unrated director's cut. That all comes in from the R rating push. Boner jams. Everything yeah. needs an R rating. But then on home video, it's like, mm, it's unrated. It's not NC-17 or X. It's just unrated. Hmm. Which worked for everything. Like you had sex would get that, but then you'd also get like extreme gore. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Fulci Zombie released yeah. unrated, Dawn of the Dead unrated. Um, uh, well, and Jason Goes to Hell, what I was talking about earlier, uh, that's one of the big ones that when it got to home video, there was the unrated cut and the rated cut. And that's, you know, you get a whole bunch of extra gore uh, and a little bit extra sex and an angry pickle. Uh, in, <laughs> no, it's not an angry I Let me correct the record. It is <laughs> a not angry pickle. It couldn't be angry. Uh, it was a Felicia. <laughs> but at that point, the funny thing is, if because it's an unrated cut, they could totally have an angry pickle. It's just the producers preferred less angry pickles. Yeah, sure. Why not? How weird. have angry have angry pickle if you want. No it. pickle in this movie, oddly enough. No. No pickles. I was disappointed. Kind of sexist, really. <laughs> I mean, if I'm being honest, like I mean. I'm a fan of Kyle McLaughlin. You know. I don't know, man. Hell? That haircut. Yeah, I know. Yeesh. <laughs> yeah, the haircut was... It's like he oof. just came from the set of Dune. <laughs> uh, oh and he God. keeps that, too, because in Sex and the City, he has the same haircut, too. So that's that's his haircut. He's He's a soccer mom. So this movie kind of blows, but it is really interesting <laughs> that it exists in basically a company of one where they tried something and just never went back to the well to say like, Hey, maybe we can do another mainstream NC 17 wide release movie. Cause for a lot of reasons, it's not that this movie didn't have buzz, you know, it's not that you couldn't replicate the buzz again later, but it wasn't good buzz, but it's <laughs> such a suck movie that like, yeah. you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame the NC 17 rating for the failure of this movie. Mm. Uh, no, no, it's the acting. It's the flopping around like a fish in yeah. the water bit. It's the the what? Uh, zero to 60 behavior. Yeah. And just uncontrolled. And even Gina Gershon, who's normally pretty good, she was eccentric. Like, everything was just exaggerated. And I don't know. She, I mean, she's good in Crash. There's a lot of movies that she's really good in, but not this one. You know, the one thing I'll say about her performance in this movie and her makeup in this movie, uh, Gina Gershon, guys, loves that Joker. Yeah, female Joker. <laughs> she looks like the, the lady from the commercial. In the, yep. in new and improved Joker product <laughs> with a new secret ingredient. Smilex. Smilex. <laughs> Let's watch that movie. Yeah. That's a much more fun movie. <laughs> well, what's funny is, it like, uh, when Leaving Las Vegas came out, I can't remember if that got a R or if that was NC-17. But, the, I mean, that was an Oscar-nominated movie, and it's the same kind of subject matter. Same it's year, just, too. It's it's just taken seriously. It's not this bombastic kind of ridiculousness. It was like a real movie in Vegas. Probably the only movie you will like with Nicolas Cage if you ever watch it. Oh, God. Also it's... released unrated uh, on home video because it was too sexually explicit for the MPAA yeah. to not give it an NC-17. Can you imagine if you had a battle of the <laughs> NC-17 Vegas movies in 1995? <laughs> if you yeah. did, you might end up with movies still that are made like this for adults, but no. 95 they bowed the basic, to the... basic Instinct came out the, that year, didn't it? No, it was like 92. Showgirls 92. came out in 95. 
95. Okay. So you've got this Battle of Las Vegas in 1995. Yeah. Basic Instinct's 92. 92. 95 but, was a good year for movies. You know, the thing about Showgirls that blew my mind today, there's a shot toward the beginning where I want to say Nomi walks into Gina Gershon's um, dressing room and the camera hits and you can see it's like three different mirrored angles, mm. perfectly framed, Gina in the middle and like the side of her face and then the Nomi's face in the third mirror and it's like perfectly set and then it cuts to like good camera movement in the alley as they're walking out all angry and it's like all the hallmarks of a technical, technically well-made film. Mm-hmm. And then the dialogue hits, and it's just like, oh my god! Like, yeah. you've made movies before. Why is it? Why? Oh my god! I just god. think she's so. Oh my god! I think god. everybody kind of played down to her. No, but it's the dial. It's not just the acting. The acting is right abysmal. Right, no, the dialogue's terrible. But the it's dialogue not... is so bad that it's like you can't even blame the. Wait, okay. And you Master House know. is usually not that bad. You guys know I have two character actors that I just love, 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 right? Brad Dorif, not in this movie. Mm-hmm. If he were in this movie, it would be better. Yes. And then my other favorite 90s character, movie, character actor, Robert Davi shows up. Yes. Love Robert Davi, right? But then his, in his first scene, the women working in the back of the strip club are getting noisy or something, and he tells them to be quiet, and he does like a double point, like the Fonz. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm out. Why? Why, Robert Davi? Why are you the Fonz now? Yeah. Well, and yeah. then you follow that up later when he visits her on stage. Oh, my God. Okay. Again, I love Robert Davi. He's wonderful. Uh, you know, <laughs> his line. Is Robert Davi like the, the Wish.com Ray Liotta? Yeah, he was one that of the guy? Agent Johnsons in Die Hard. He was also one of the bad guys in Goonies. Yes. And he was in a lot of Cinemax, like, 90s yeah. uh, late-night movies. He He's gets great. a lot of work because he looks like a gangster. He looks like a yeah. thug. He looks like a monster if he wants him to. I think I think he was in Dick Trace, too. I think he played one of the... Uh, was he Mumbles? Uh, I, I think he was one of the bad guys in that, too. And he's in Action Jackson because he has to be. When you watch that movie, you're like, okay, yes. Robert Davi has to show up in this movie. There he is. He has to be in this movie. <laughs> He has a line when he visits her later when she's successful (laughs) and he does his best, right? Like he does the most a human being can do to give this line feeling. Mm. He looks at her as he leaves and he goes, it must be weird not having anybody come on you. Yeah. Wolf. And I'm like, what the (laughs) fuck? Like that's not his fault. He didn't write that. Yeah. No, that was on the page. That's a choice. Somebody made a choice to make this movie with that line still in the script. And he gave it his best shot to read it. But, oh, oh, God, this movie. Well, what a difference a week makes, because that same line probably would have been in Sleepaway Camp as well. <laughs> I don't know, man. But if it was, it would have been, like, shouted. It would have been, yeah. like, it would have been read tastelessly. Right, and he's trying to bring it in. He's trying to rein it in and make it like a feeling, emotional line. <laughs> and it's like maybe yeah. that maybe it's his fault for not just leaning in to the bombastic nature of this thing. Maybe if they were all on the same energy level as Nomi, maybe she's the only one doing it right. Maybe right. they all need to step up to her energy game, and then maybe it would have made sense. It's maybe possible. you just maybe they're not acting with enough energy to serve the script. Yeah, so like he's he's reading that line. And he's like, "How do I deliver this so I don't sound like a douche?" And and he sounds like a douche. <laughs> he just sounds like a weirdo. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, they do intentionally follow that line with her going with Kyle McLaughlin's character. Like they're doing stuff with the script that is, I think, higher level than this movie deserves. You know. There's that whole scene with Gina Gershon at the restaurant early on where they're mirroring each other. Did you catch that? Yeah. And like one of them's eating with their left hand and the other one's eating with their right. And so they're not just like having a similar conversation from both sides, but they're literally like a mirror of each other. Yeah. It's like single white female, but not good. But well, the difference, (laughs) that's a decent movie, but 
the difference here is I think they're going for this whole like this is the you know ghost of sexmist future right like <laughs> this is where you're going uh and this is where you are now and so i think too some of what this movie does i think when i well i said earlier turning the mirror on americans to be like you know you stupid americans want boobs here's boobs see it's not sexy right like my german friend chris if you're listening over in germany uh oh, was that german yeah my my buddy chris <laughs> Uh, I thought German was more like no. That was my my very lazy Paul Verhoeven impression. But he's my friend Chris, Austrian. he's Austrian. I know my friend Chris, who is a good guy and listens to the show uh, occasionally. Uh, he always used to say when he was in America on visits, he would say, "Oh, Daniel, nipples are like noses. Like, what's the big deal?" You know, I don't know why he turned Italian at the end. I can't do accents, Wait. guys. But, yeah, but that was bad. his thing was he was like, Americans are stupid because nipples are like noses and you guys need to chill the fuck out about the boobs, right? Like there's a lot like more walk. going on here than just boobs. And this movie is a perfect example of them just being like, okay, stupid Americans, you think that boobs equal sex? Well, here's all the boobs you can pack into a movie and yet 0.5% erotic content. But I think that has to do with the fact that like, I don't think he did that on purpose. I think he was trying to be sexy with it. I don't know, man. But He's made a lot of sucked, sexy movies over the years. I don't know. I, I think he was... I, I think the the unlikability of all the characters and the terribleness of this movie makes the boobs not sexy. But so, but I, I think... I mean, you're, uh, yes, you, you are right. There's a lot of terribleness. It's like a Shannon Tweed movie, you know? No, I mean, okay, take that back, first of all. No, what I'm saying is, like, if you were in 1989 <laughs> to 95 watching Cinemax movies and you pop on a Shannon Tweed or a, or a who's the... Uh, uh, Shannon Worry. Yeah, and there was, like, a, a Evangeline, or there was, like, one more that was, like, a, a, I can't remember her name. Anyway, they were always in these terrible movies, and the worse the movie was, the less sexy they they were well and i think that's what this movie suffers from. i don't know about that the thing about a lot of those 90s movies because a lot of them are essentially like america like crappy knockoff american jollos uh so I, i've seen a lot of them uh in my kind of hunt for good jollo content i've run through a lot of shannon tweed movies and yeah joan they suck. severance joan severance joan severance uh yes. yeah delta venus all good stuff yeah. the thing about those movies is they aren't good movies, a lot of them. There are some gems, Forbidden Games. Uh, I'm going to plug that one again. The detective that can like read people's thoughts by making physical contact with them, and he makes a lot of mind reading in that movie. Guys, Forbidden Games, mm. good flick. Uh, Depraved, a movie that has Mario Lopez, another Saved by the Bell alum, mm. Uh, mm. that has one of the funniest murder scenes I've ever seen. Like You don't really get a lot of funny murder scenes in movies. That's a good oh, one. Uh, but here's the thing. So involved. do not necessarily, do not conflate crappy movie with non-erotic content. All right. Like even those crappy late night movies can find, can stumble its way into a successfully erotic three or four minute scene here or there. Right. It's not hard. It's not difficult to create. <laughs> it's not <laughs> difficult for a, you know, half wit director with a v- with like a high quality video camera, not even a film camera, to f- stumble their way into enough footage to cobble together and edit three minutes of a sexy scene. And this movie that we watched tonight was made by a good director with a high budget and actual like quality equipment, so everything looks like a million bucks. And they managed to avoid actual like sexy content. On purpose. Like, I 100% assert that this was on purpose. Think back to the scene where her and the the bellhop guy, oh. who's making a a dance for her. By the way, what a racket to go to, to beautiful women and be like, hey, you can dance. Also, I wrote this specifically for you. Also, this thing I wrote for you is for you to perform a lap dance on me for free. That's a good racket if <laughs> yeah. you can get it. Uh, you can yeah. pull that off. But think back to that scene, right? You've got 
what starts off stupid because it's uh, I shouldn't say that not a huge dance fan don't give a flying crap about the dance but it doesn't look like good dancing right it looks like crappy dancing and then he says to her like follow me but she hasn't been shown the dance yet and she knows where the dance goes but it's not like Mm. a waltz like he's doing big moves and she's doing big moves and they end up on a chair anyway stupid silly part but then well she learned it in rehearsal but then they start making out and for the first time in most of the movie you're like oh like things are going in a direction that i recognize as a movie made to be erotic and then they hit the brakes as hard as you can and then that scene falls apart real quick and we don't have to go over all the details of why but you know they intentionally went like oop just oh. kidding you thought it was sexy now it's weird yeah. And thanks for the cheeseburger, right? Like what? Yeah, what? <laughs> Plus, that guy never plays like a sexual character, so that was like the first time I've ever seen him try to pull that off. That was wild, he's, man. He's a character actor that you see pop up many times. What was up with his character? I don't know. Like, they're all, everybody in this movie's just out for themselves, man. Yeah. And they're all just taking advantage of her and telling her what she well, wants to hear until she leaves. I, and then they pull out the cell phone and call their buddy back and be like, hey, just get back up here, man. I was just kidding about firing you for trying to rape this lady. <laughs> but she was not a good dancer. Like, why was everybody like making her think she was a good dancer? Well, let's get back to the bellhop guy. Because, like, what happened to him in the end was so unsuccessful. It just, it was, it was painful. Watching him fail on stage with the lady that can't dance? Well, Mm. not only that, but then the story of what has been going on with him and what he plans to do, you know, his, his whole, you know, he, you know, he got her pregnant and she's gonna, he's gonna go work at her mother's grocery store and that's going to be that. And then like no redemption from that. That's just, it's not his story. What he man. does. Uh, he went to I Vegas, mean, he shot his shot and now he's got to go back and be a grown up again. Kind of like at the end of the movie when Nomi gets in the truck and leaves inexplicably. Um, even though she got everything she wanted, she just wanted her identity and to go home. Ugh. Ugh. It's a shame because <laughs> I don't I don't mind the idea of this movie, the the plot of it, the the development of it. I I think you know, a a movie that shows the, you know, the real nitty-gritty down and dirty, you know, stuff you got to do to get to the top and is it worth it kind of story is probably a good basis for a movie. It could be a really good movie. It just this this one's. It just... was. <laughs> it was done many times. Like you could go more light, like a like a Dirty Dancing has that kind of that kind of storyline, and it's it if it's done, if it takes itself too seriously, but is also has an agenda. Like if he's trying to do s- satire, and trying to make commentary, and and purposely making it not sexual and purposely getting shitty performances, then, yeah, you're not going to get a good movie, even if the story would allow it. Okay. But, like, a pretty woman or whatever, like, they, they do that. It's it's My Fair Lady, basically. Yeah. So. But think of, think of it this way. Different, totally different profession, right? Wolf of Wall Street. Right. Isn't that the same story? Yeah. And Leaving Las Vegas, the same story. You could title <laughs> this movie Leaving Las Vegas, and I wouldn't know the difference. Right. <laughs> oh, they have a lot in common. And if it was done right, if this movie was done right, she could have gotten an Oscar. Yeah. But she's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so well, but you know didn't... what's funny is she shows up in um, Any Given Sunday mm-hmm. and is great. Her performance in Any Given Sunday is fine. Right? Like, if she gave that performance in a movie called Showgirls, directed by a guy as good as Paul Verhoeven, with the budget given to Paul Verhoeven, with the cast given to Paul Verhoeven, but was Mm -hmm. allowed to act like that character from any given Sunday, I don't think we're having this conversation. But somewhere along the lines, they decided, you know, 
two more notches, three more notches, you know. We're doing Stonehenge. Right. Yeah. I, now we're not doing fucking Stonehenge. They did Stonehenge. Um, I'm not sure if it was the same year, but I maybe the year after Striptease came out. And that was another movie that was in the suggestion. Yeah, that's that's Demi Moore. Yeah, that's the play, next year. That's ninety six. Right, ninety six. So she's playing pretty much the same character in the same kind of shitty movie with the bad script. And she's a she's an Oscar nominated actress. I don't know if she ever won one, but she's given good performances. So I think it has to do with the subject matter, how the director handles it and how the actress handles it. Cause it could, it could be just tongue in cheek or it could actually be a good Oscar nominated movie. Like uh, boogie nights, boogie nights had the same kind of characters. Uh, Heather Graham, the roller girl. Boogie Nights had a dude's wife getting railed in the yeah. driveway. And Julianne Moore and and Heather Graham both got accolades for that. And it's the same role. Yeah. So. But a much better movie. Is it, though? Oh, Boogie Nights is great, man. No, it is. It is it's a much better movie, but I'm saying it's ta- it's it's directed and acted in the same way. It's almost a satirical version of the... Po- no, it's a good way. It's a good version. It's like RoboCop. RoboCop is a satire of... And you didn't get it at first. Yeah. But it was done right. Boogie Nights was done right. This was yeah. done wrong. This is the same... If the Boogie Nights director directed this, this movie might have been a lot better. Yeah. Because he would have gotten, he or she would have gotten better performances out of it. But the weird part is, Ber- Verhoeven has a history of getting good performances out of actors and and directing yeah. this kind of content successfully. So it has to be, he has on to purpose. have done this on purpose. And I think it really is. I'm going back to my the first five minutes of this show. I stand by that because I just can't imagine a world where this kind of budget and that quality of cast and that director can get the technical execution that they did. I mean, think about... Now, I'm not a Vegas show guy. I don't give two flying craps about Vegas shows. But when I see them doing those big shows on stage, I think, this looks expensive. (laughs) You know? Like, your Mm -hmm. money's on the screen. You did the right thing to put the money on the screen. I believe this is what the shows probably look like. It looks cool. But the dialogue is so weird that it has to be an intentional choice. Well, maybe... Verhoeven suffers from the same disease that Lucas suffers from. <laughs> he can't direct actors. But basic instinct. Yeah, but there are, there are parts where they're off the rails with their acting. It's just such a good movie that you're willing to look past it. I, I remember, don't know that we ever said that during our... I'm thinking back to no, how no, much no. we appreciated no, it's great, the acting but what I'm saying is instinct. There are times where... Mm the great Michael Douglas and Sharon Stone sometimes, and, and that actually supporting cast is just chock full of actors. There are a few lines that are kind of hokey. Iffy. iffy. I don't know and, that a hokey and, and iffy was the problem in Showgirls, though. This is like sus. a four-alarm fire. Yeah. Like, something is wrong. But even in, like, Starship Troopers and RoboCop and what's the other... Uh, Total Recall. Total Recall. The women seem to have, I don't know if it's his directing for them, but I I remember Denise Richards in Starship Trooper. She was like the weakest link because she was the one that was like playing it over the top. Yeah, not not like her subtle performance in Wild Things. In Wild Things. No, it was a lot (laughs) worse. It was, uh, she was playing this girl from Showgirls in Starship Troopers, but instead of being a stripper, she was in the military. But she just had this over-the-top like uh, cheerleader delivery with her, you know, almost like swinging your ponytail when you talk, kind of, kind of delivery. And it's it was, it was completely opposite of all the guys who were basically just pay, playing like these. Well, let's save grunts. that for when we watch that movie because again, yeah. that that also might be intentional. But okay. we'll have to see in the context of that film what they're trying to do. He gets a performance out of Sharon Stone that defines her entire career and. Yes. She's a great actress, but he added to her abilities in Basic but Instinct. Like she performs in Basic Instinct better than she performs in any other movie that I've seen her in. 
but the early Sharon Stone before Basic Instinct in Total Recall was a little hokey. Well, but you know, that's but it was might have been Total Recall, like yeah, different movie. I don't know, man. I stand by it. I think the movie's bad on purpose, and I think he was making fun of us, and he did it. That's he fine. succeeded. That's fine. Damn it, damn it, Paul Verhoeven. <laughs> you some <saw him>, bitch. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a movie I won't watch again unless I have to. But uh, we'll revisit it in a couple of years, right after we revisit RoboCop. We'll do a comparison. Yeah, we'll have yeah. to have like a fourth party come in and uh, who doesn't know who Verhoeven is and watch them all. And Mini Megs, Mini Megs. No, I'm not making Mini Megs. As a director. <laughs> hey, Mini Megs, we have another experiment. Yeah, and <laughs> for you. Yeah blocked what where'd she go <laughs> we're gonna watch we're gonna make you watch the worst Verhoeven movie but he does have such a good library though so it's it's not that bad of an assignment like his movies are all different but the same no why don't we, we he's if like we Tim Burton s- if we started her with this it would be the same as starting her right. Halloween 5 <laughs> is what I'm saying started we could do this. it to her again by that showing her this first I don't know if she would make it through this movie Shout out to Marcel Probably if you're not. listening, since we're covering Verhoeven and usually pop up on these. Uh, if you've got insights into what Verhoeven's thinking, give us a give us a ring. Let us know what's yeah, up. Yeah, please. Yeah, because we're still confused. <laughs> we we don't get it. We're like uh, insulted slightly, I, but yet we know he's right. So it's not a that better insulted. movie if it's on purpose. Yeah, but I, think I it's still on don't like it. Yeah. It's so consistently bad that it's not like, oh, that one scene went off the rails and they ran out of time for that scene and they had to cut this short. This movie from front to back is what it wanted to be oh, and it's a shit show. Yeah. What is Absolutely. it? What is it? I don't know. <laughs> and it was it? so long. So long. <laughs> it's like like try it was editing so, it. I was dude, I was <laughs> I'm watching it and I'm like, oh my god, there's two hours of shit I don't care about. But then she oh beats the God. holy hell out of the guy that looks kind of like Edge, the wrestler. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> sure it wasn't Tyler Maine? I'm not sure that it wasn't Tyler Maine. He was a big old guy with a really silly beard. Huh. Interesting. This is a, a long investment of time for something I don't care about. That's what she said. Yeah, that's what she said. That should go on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh film class podcast what about that line from Robert Davi toward like the end of the it's toward the end of her run while she's working at the cheetah and he says I'm not gonna hire you back and then he turns to the like the <laughs> to his office so he's turning away from all the women and he goes not even if you give me a Blowjob! <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Well, we're talking about oh uh, a movie where a woman flicks her wrists and her nipples pop out. So I'm just saying, like, there's just a lot going on. Oh, that lady was too much. She this was... is almost like a John Waters movie. <laughs> well, yeah, she gives you a real, like, divine yeah, kind of divine feel, yeah. vibe. Just loud. But even Crude. like when you see like a movie like Crybaby or whatever, like there's just so many quirky characters in that that are just you're just watching it. You're like, why am I watching this? Yeah, yeah, that's how I felt about this. Yeah, no, and but, why were we watching it? I don't know, but I'm glad we know. did. <laughs> because you I, kept saying we need to watch it. <laughs> uh, next week, can we watch a movie that was good. meant to be good? Ooh. <laughs> Actually, you know, it's funny you bring up next week. You bring that up. Should I show because you our texts from earlier today? Because, <laughs> sure. because we started with Showgirls as a starting point, we went back and forth on a lot of movies that branched directly off of the Showgirls theme and bring us to something better. And so we went back and forth, and as hard as I pushed for Showgirls 2, uh, a new There's hope, a or whatever. <laughs> a new hope. <laughs> they made a they made a sequel, uh, according to it's IMDb, about Penny. about Penny, the hope, not Penny. Which one's Penny? Is that Hope? Yeah, it's it's Penny. Hope is Penny. Yeah, the Her one who can't dance, Penny. the blonde. Uh, yeah, 
Yeah. Isn't she the chick from uh, Miss Congeniality? She's married to the... Uh, yes, I think so. She's the one that's the, the, her favorite day is April 26th. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's the, the perfect temperature. <laughs> oh, God. It's, it's not called, too hot and it's not it's too It's not cold. A New Hope, which would have been an amazing title. It's yeah, that's Pennies true. from Heaven. Oh. And it's yeah, not Pennies, plural. It is Pennies... Uh, Penny apostrophe is. S. A, like Penny is from <laughs> heaven. Penny is. And guys, heaven. run time... Two hours, 25 oh, minutes. Shut up. Holy it's shit, as long it's as The Dark Knight. Shut it's, up. It's an epic film. <laughs> oh, my God. Sprawling sets. Okay, I got to watch this. Oh, and hey, uh, the guy comes back. The, the uh, Robert Dobby in it? No, the bellhop. Is Robert Dobby yeah. in this? If Robert Dobby's gotta, in this movie, I'm going to watch it. You got to bring back a familiar face. And apparently uh, Elizabeth Berkeley was Well, the bellhop has to be in it. <laughs> No, Bill hops in it. Yeah, they continue. But I mean, the same actor. Yeah, 2011. Oof. Guys. <laughs> 2011. Whoa, it, it came out. Uh, How many years is that? 16, 16 years. 16 years. Later. Holy shit. Showgirls is 20 years, 30 years old. Maybe we should watch that movie. <laughs> I mean, good lord. Not for the podcast, though. I'm going to no. watch this movie because this looks worse than I thought it would. Now that I'm Maybe that could it. be our Mystery Science Theater 3000 oh, movie. I don't know. <laughs> so bad. Our Yikes. first one. Jeez Louise. Whoa. Anyway, that next week's movie. Uh, next week, we'll be watching a movie. A movie. Mm-hmm. Directed by a director you've seen stuff from before. Okay. Uh, Mr. Cronenberg. Oh. Do you remember who uh, yes. David Cronenberg is? Yes, of course. Is? Nice. And uh, I don't want to tell you anything about it, except that it's by David Cronenberg. Okay. I didn't even know you were going to say that. Yeah, I know. But I did. Hmm. Look at you. The movie is called a history of violence. Okay. Okay. A history of violence. A history of a history of violence. That sounds good. Yes. Sounds like I might like it. It is not a bad ego. movie, unlike this movie, which was bad. <laughs> uh, or maybe we it's terrible. Get- you know. I mean, you think back to the fly, right? Like it could be real bad. The fly's not bad. But it's I mean, c- it could be bad. Right, like if you imagine the fly cross showgirls, right? A fly movie meant to insult Americans and their obsession with sex and boobs. That could be bad. You're jealous. Cheeseburger. Cheeseburger. Thanks for the Listen. burger. <laughs> Thanks for the burger. I like to doggy chow. <laughs> <laughs>